I don't know. Yeah. I say Tawny Man, Rain Wilds, Live Ship, The New Fits in the Fool, and Parsier Last. Really? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. It provides a valuable foundation. <laughs> Who's Night Eyes? I've never even heard of it. Cute. Welcome to Bucky Radio. We're coming to you from inside the walls. This is episode 27, Mad Ship, chapters 6 through 10, and I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Alyssa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a new reader. I'm Eli, and I'm a new reader. I'm Elena, I'm a new reader. And I'm Ashley, and I'm a new reader. Okay, first up, corrections, omissions, announcements. Thank you to Yetta and Jackie for sending awesome emails about uh, answers to fuck, Mary kill. And <laughs> what? <laughs> These are you should all of our files. Robin Hobnane. So big. <laughs> <laughs> These are the, this, the, this stuff is, is uh, you know, I'm interested in it. And Jackie pointed out that I think, I guess I flubbed when I was saying what our actual website address was. So it's buckkeepradio.podbean.com. And at least when I Google Buckkeep Radio, it should be one of the top. Uh, maybe that's not true in other countries, but it should be true in America. So. Yeah. Yeah, America. <laughs> and then you can look gaze on our beautiful faces. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next on the docket is... Oh, announcement. There appears to be a Megan Lindholm Instagram account now. It's under the real Megan Lindholm, the same as the real Robin Hobb. Uh, so, you know, go there, follow if you're on IG. And I'm going give, there right now. Give the other alter ego of our alter ego some love. <laughs> <laughs> Have any of you read The Inheritance at all? No. No. I have not. I think after this is because people keep asking me if I've read all of that and I haven't. So I think that's going to be my project after this podcast is done is to read the rest of her work. Wizard and the Pigeons. I'm sold already. (laughs) (laughs) What is that sound? That's me making another drink. Elena's making a drink. (laughs) (laughs) It's CoronaCon, guys. I love it. It's like I'm in the drink. I'm in it. We're coming We're coming to you from Elena's drink. <laughs> Has anyone read the Soldier Son books? Those are the only other Robin Hop books. No. You have, no. Melissa. No. I have not. So none of us have. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess we're like, we're just noobs. We're noobs out here on this plenty. It's okay. We're not real fans. <laughs> we're not real fans. <laughs> real we just spend a lot of time it. doing this. I've only read nine books. I'm not good enough. <laughs> I mean, I'm a new person, so I haven't even declared myself a fan yet. Like, it's, it's I have to read the series, TBD. Wow, holding out until the end. <laughs> I have yet to complete a single trilogy, so, like, I'm even, I'm even newer. <laughs> I will say I'm enjoying Live Ship more than I enjoyed Farseer. It's really? I think- to hear you say that. I think a lot of it has to do with just having more points of view in the story. I had, it was a little bit of a struggle being with 
fits for the entire series. <laughs> I enjoy the pirate action a lot. Yeah. I haven't really made up my mind yet. People keep asking me if I like these books better, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like, I don't know if it's because I'm reading it for the first time while we're discussing it. Because, like, it's not like I, I'm miserable reading them. It's not like I hate reading the chapters. It's not like I hate talking about them, but I also am not like, oh my gosh, I love these books. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it is it work doing all doing the podcast? Is it like making it seem <laughs> like homework? <laughs> well, it is, but I need that because otherwise I don't read. See the oh. half finished book I was also reading for a while. <laughs> I'll blame it on the fact that I don't have a commute anymore because reading while I walk down the hallway to the couch slash my new office is not quite the same. Yeah, I'm also having that same issue. I don't have my commute to read, which was all, you know, basically two hours a day. And yeah, I'm way behind on my TV. All right. So uh, anything else that we want to go over before we jump in? Time for Costco. No? All right. So (laughs) I've got chapter six, Satrap Costco. So enter the man, baby. This chapter <laughs> is from the point of view of a new character. Her name is Cirilla. She's a heart companion to uh, Costco King. She's traditionally an intellectual companionship uh, as a heart companion. There are many of them, and each of them specialize in something different. And uh, But despite all of that, you know, Costco really just wants to bone her. He's, he's treating his heart companions as a harem. Uh, Cirilla is very traditional, however, so she's trying her best to do a good job in her role of expert on Bingtown, and Costco is going full creep mode and trying to convince her to sleep with him, and she tries to leave the conversation that we're introduced to uh, as a way to sort of, like, punish him and control him and just remove herself from his disgusting antics, but then he kind of goes all puppy dog, and he's like, please teach me about Bingtown, and she's obligated to do that, so she remains, which is super gross. So Cirilla explains the political situation, and we already know about that, but Costco thinks that the people of Bingtown are just hicks, and he likes his new Chalcedian friends more. And Cirilla is like, okay, but you make a ton of money from them, and they hate you because you aren't holding up your part of the bargain. And then Costco is like, well, I might be very willing to whine and let them try to police their own harbors, but eh, nah. So, (laughs) um... Then later, he's she she sort of convinces him like maybe you actually should talk to the Bingtowners like you know it's part of your your agreement with their ancestors. Um, so he finally relents. He's like, fine, I'll meet with them. But the Bingtowners have already left. They were in Jamelia and they waited for a very long time. And he was too stoned and he never saw them, so they <laughs> left. <it off. laughs> And Cirilla, who wants nothing more than to see Bingtown because she got her PhD in Bingtown without ever going to Bingtown, attempts to convince (laughs) the Magnodon, which is just like, every time she says Magnodon, I want to (laughs) like... It's the best dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) So she convinces him to, uh, well, she tries to uh, convince him to appoint her a governor of Bingtown so that she can get the fuck away from him and see big, bad, beautiful Bingtown. But he's like, did you fuck my dad? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're back on that. So that happens for a while. And then finally, at the end of the chapter, Costco suddenly relents. 
uh, not by appointing Cirilla as his governor, because that's a big LOL, but instead he's going to take her to Bingtown himself because he said he'd hear the people, so he will hear the people. So they're going on a boat trip. Boat trip. Poor Cirilla. You guys, I was really surprised when she said that they tax the Bingtown traders 50%. That's bad. I'm like, that's crazy. a lot. Like, well, we know that, though. They, they talked about that in on the on some of the earlier chapters in the last book, that they give half their... I didn't give, know they, it was half. I must have glazed yeah. over that. I'm like, fuck, how do they make any money? That's why they're so mad about, like, the Chalcedians and, like... Yeah, that's a shit ton of money. All that shit that's going down. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it seems as if Bingtown's funding the entire Jamalian Empire. Right. I mean... <laughs> Like, slavery is, like, giving them, you know, half their money, and then all the Bingtown trading is giving them the other half. They're funding his uh, drug habit. Oh, for sure. He reminds me of Regal in that way. Oh, yes. He's definitely Regal come again. But, like... He's even more pathetic. Yes. Worse. Yeah. He's like, oh, my guts hurt. Oh, my head hurts. Oh, can you give me a massage? Ooh. Yeah, like, at least yeah, man, when you drink too confident. much, you get the bubble guts. <laughs> yeah. You know, small ferret needs some needs a new snack. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe there's gonna be a little snip snip action. Yeah, no, he's he's vile. Like he needs to go. I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. Well, you know, we were starting to get too complacent on Kenneth, and Kyle is, you know, currently. Uh, Injured, and so we needed a new terrible person. You're right. It's like Fast and Furious. You just got to keep bringing in a worse villain. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> as though the world just doesn't run out. <laughs> and the, the worst part is, as soon as she starts to try to trick him a little bit, you find out that he's not nearly as stupid as he initially comes across. So it's like even more vile. He's just like awful. Yeah, he's just. It's like, oh, it's gross. It's really bad. Yeah, like he's very intentionally using every like ounce of his position and power to take advantage of like what the people around yeah. him are forced to do for him and what they are forced to behave to him like. And he knows better. He just doesn't want to do better. And that's so that makes it like a very conscious choice on his part to be like that shitty. Right. He so takes is the this worst. Like a Caligula situation, like that—that's how it vibed to me. Like, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if we're gonna take an analog from history, he's kind of like the—he's he, one of the examples held up of the Roman emperors as like the worst depths they sank to before the fall. So mm-hmm. I'm not like feeling so great about the Jamalian. Uh, uh, chances here as like politically no i think Bingtown holds a lot of power and they just have to be brave enough to wield it i mean if they if they are giving half their wealth to this guy and they decide to deny it he it seems like he doesn't really have a navy he has a foreign country's navy mm-hmm. and they're only going to be in it so long as he can pay them and he probably can't well, what he might what he might be willing to do is tell them like if you get Bingtown back under my control, I'll you know you can have what you can take from them, or I'll split the profits with you, or something like that. So right. then they, be, you know, basically have a vested interest in 
making war with Bingtown. Right. And th- and that's something that they've been worried about on their own anyway, because Chalcid's been encroaching on their territory. Right. It's diabolical. <laughs> also, I will not be calling him Costco. It will be Costco forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's Everyone iconic. Knows. He and deserves be- it. And before they send me the correction email. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, Jamelia is the best. So. <laughs> They're out of toilet paper, though. What a nice place. They got it in bulk. <laughs> well, clearly Costco he blew through paper. it all, so yeah, he's, he's got definitely problems. Yeah, he's definitely installed his toilet Yeah. <laughs> all right, who's got Chapter 7? I've got Chapter 7. It's called A Bingtown Trader's Daughter. So Kefria and Ronica are getting Malta ready for her first date. And finally, it's all about her, until it isn't. Because how dare they argue about slavery on a day that is about her? <laughs> Kefria is saying something about how Kyle sucks, but I guess he isn't evil, which I disagree about. And Malta thinks about how Kyle deserved better than her mom, and at this point in reading, my soul left my Yeah, body. it was bad. It was so bad. <laughs> Malta convinces her mom and grandma to at least please change their clothes and make themselves presentable, because even though they're in quarantine and haven't seen other people and are poor now, they should still practice self-care. <laughs> So Malta discovers something very important in this moment, and it's that her grandmother is definitely jealous of her good sense and that her mother can be won over by her cleverness. So the next thing out of her little mouth is that her mom's hair is so ugly, even though Ronica has her hair done the same way. (laughs) We switch to Ronica's point of view as she sits in front of the mirror and is like, damn, she's right, because she hasn't really been taking care of herself since her husband died. Saved by the bell from a depression spiral, Rach comes in, and Ronica knows that Rach only looks so pissed when Devad is there, and she's like, oh no, and Rach is like, oh yes. So Ronica, <laughs> Ronica gets dressed all fancy and tells her to put out their truly shittiest cakes so he won't want to stay. <laughs> it's like they're the dusty ones with the little Halloween spider rings on them from like two Halloweens ago. <laughs> Devon is downstairs, and in true masculine accomplishment, he interrupts himself to exclaim that Ronica looks amazing. <laughs> he does a great job here, <laughs> saying things like, your dress takes years off your face. You must be quite proud to be able to squeeze yourself into it still, which I couldn't believe were real words that someone would ever say to anybody. So bad. <laughs> Just a great job. And then he begs Ronica to stay after this stunning compliment um, so that he can be there during Malta and Rain's first date as the man of the household. Ronica, yeah, Ronica, (laughs) Ronica's very poised and polite and tells him multiple times, quote, fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) But he whines for so long that Ronica does that thing when someone is talking and you just close your eyes and you pretend you're somewhere else. But Rain and his entourage are already there. They've redecorated the living room. They took out the old flowers and they unplugged the TV and they brought in the exotic flowers (laughs) and the birds and the sweets and the Xbox with the games you love, but your family can't afford. So you have to go to your friend's house to play and the whole entire bard. (laughs) 
Devad, a buffoon, continues to ask himself, saying things like, this is great, look at the good I do. And Ronica is like, I'm going to fucking stab you. Well, Ronica and Johnny keep tilting their whole bodies away from him to exclude him. Until Kefria comes and saves their lives. As soon as he's out of earshot... Janie refers to Devad as Traitor Joe, because like Joe, Devad also doesn't pay his workers. <clears throat> and they rev up the hot gods. Malta, meanwhile, is in her element. She has this boy wrapped around her finger, and he is laying it on thick. Oh, twere it not so that we are on this courting sofa in front of our entire families. That's basically the conversation. <laughs> meanwhile... She's thinking about bragging to her friends about this whole situation and about him. And Rain says the stupidest thing he could have ever fucking said in the moment, which is to promise Malta anything her family wanted in order to marry her. And then he goes on to talk more. Because Malta is not listening. All she heard was ching as he pours her his heart out to her. And honestly, this girl is so good. And I admire her. She's just like, Rain, I know not of such things that go on twixt man and woman. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? And Rain's heart just falls out of his butt. And this is my favorite chapter. <laughs> <laughs> How does anybody follow this? Oh fuck! <laughs> so, so yeah. many whining, pathetic men. Just one after oh, one after I know. the other. It's incredible. <laughs> I think. I also think that. Oh, go ahead. I think. I just wanted to say that I know it's creepy. He's nineteen. She's thirteen, fourteen. But I think Rain is really romantic. <laughs> Rain's getting fucking snowed. I feel he is. so bad for him. He's so <laughs> just like so deeply in love with her for God only knows why. And she's like, oh yeah, this is, this is gonna work out well for me. <laughs> <laughs> like I my my heart hurt so much for him in this chapter because he's got like he's got the romance novel thing where like his boner springs for her alone yeah. and he's like you, like i didn't know basically what it was all about i didn't have a body before i met you i was just this disembodied mind that my family used for like intellectual puzzles and then i met you and suddenly i got it and I'm really looking like, forward she's... to like what kind of master class Malta is going to give on how to dodge having sex with a partner you don't want to fuck. <laughs> I love like, I like flashback really an episode creative. or two ago we were worried that he was taking advantage of her. <laughs> right. You <laughs> <laughs> should have been worried about him. And, you know, and I was like, oh, what's Malta going to do when somebody genuinely loves her for herself? Well, Figure okay, this is what Malta's going to do. What's in it for me, bitch? <laughs> Open up. fucking purses, yeah. Take what you can and run. But also, that is her purpose, whether her family is poor or not. Like, yeah. that was her purpose the moment she was born. Hmm? So, just feeling it. Not untrue if you're not going to be the kind of woman that can run the estate, like on your own yeah right bring some fucking money in and you know i also <laughs> want to point out that <laughs> as a person who has failed to do so on her own but I, what i want to point out 
<laughs> is that, you know, there's a lot of, like, really, um, like, we talk about the patriarchy. Like, there's a lot of, uh, like, female versus female uh, hate, uh, you know, judgment um that's happening that you know that we see often in patriarchal societies where it's like you you why does she hate her mother her mother is the one that sacrificed for her her mother is the one that teaches her she she spends all her time with her mother but for some reason she thinks that her mom was Uh, good enough for her shitty dad i exploded it's just so painful but then she feels the same you know she feels so superior to to the other women in her family rather than feeling like she's learned from them um, mm-hmm. Or even any kind of kinship with them, she feels none of that, uh, and that's yeah. really a, an influence of Kyle directly, hundred percent. It's also I mean, amazing. I also... Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was gonna say, I, I would, I would also argue that that might be like a, like to some extent, a defensive construct based on like. If, if she had emotional needs that went unmet long enough by, like, her mother, um, you know, then basically choosing to cast her mother as someone not good enough is a way to defend against it hurting that her mom didn't give her what she needed. Yeah. Like, didn't yeah, give her the attention mm-hmm. or the care or whatever it was that, you know, Malta specifically needed that Kefria was not either capable of giving or attuned enough to her to give. Yeah. That I mean, that doesn't excuse the fact that, like, now she has this completely. I mean, it. I don't know. She has a completely shitty perspective, and it makes her like a really unlikable character. But it, in a way, it is excusable because she's also still a fucking kid. And like, when you grow up with that kind of lack, and it goes on for long enough, like, you get fucked up. Like, you just do. But I don't know. It's never your. It's never your fault, but it's always your responsibility. So part of growing up is learning. What, like learning how to fucking deal with it and not be a shitty person no matter what happened to you. So, yeah, I'm still going to judge it. I think it's another sign of how strong of a hold Kyle has on the situation. Just in that, like, clearly, the obviously the most important or powerful people in the room are Johnny and uh, to, to a much lesser but still more than anyone else in the room extent, Ronica. And then you've got Devad, who's a complete buffoon, and then Rain, who's like Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Devad doesn't even have a. Devad point. doesn't have anything. He's just he's just a uh, he's just a hanger on. He has his confidence. Well, he got that new jacket that doesn't. Fit and <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing pants. God, there is, there is like nothing more cringeworthy to me than the idea of like pants with stretched out knees or like stretched out underwear. Those two things are such two massive turnoffs to me. No, they're just old and don't have any elastic left in them. Does anybody at any point wonder where Selden is in all of this? He's in his room. You know, in a closet. He's been banished. He's in the hallway. (laughs) The basement. Like, right. He hasn't been mentioned in a long fucking time. They got rid of all his, his, like, I assume they got rid of all of his tutors because they got rid of the rest of the servants. Like, what's he doing all day? Just, like. He's in his room planning murders. Yeah. He's, like, throwing the ball back and forth and talking to the ghost. (laughs) (laughs) I just think like their their society is so 
traditional yeah. conservative to think that like there's like 15 people in this fucking room and they're it's like oh get to know each other so you can get married it's like oh god like <laughs> cool <laughs> it's like good on malta but also at the same time she's like oh i'm smarter than ronica and johnny is you know she's she's ugly so she can't possibly be she's not my equal and so I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold the line until my magnificent father returns. Like it's like that's her. It's like yeah. if you're not if you're not hot and in with the fashion and smart, it's it, at least she's got the smart idea. But she's she's very. But she's playing with a she's playing with a finite yeah. resource. You know, like what is she? What's on the line? It's just her virginity. That's all she's dealing yeah. with at this point. And like they're like. You know, at some point, it's diminishing returns. Like, how much can you extort from this family without intending to breed for them? I, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's not a good, it's not a strong no. position. It's not a strong position. Are we moving on to chapter eight? Yeah, sure. Uh, is that you, Jenny? Yes. What's this chapter called? Oh, that would have been really smart, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write that down. Something about pirates. Somebody look it up. We'll find out. Oh, I've got it here in a second. Also, just so you know, Joey has texted me Dragon Sailboat Crystal Ball. Yeah, he's like live texting us while we record based (laughs) off of Rachel's secondhand comments. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he said I'm. Joey! He wishes he was on a boat. None of these books matter. Fitz fail for <laughs> he, he he hate he hate loves Fitz. That's what it is. Yeah, it's totally. <laughs> it's man crush for sure. Okay, what did we decide the name of this chapter was? Immersions. Immersions. Chapter eight. Immersions. So Kenneth is dead. Well, sadly, that's not true. Which is good for Wintro, <laughs> who gets charged with. Uh, by Vivesha with putting him back, which he doesn't really understand. Uh, Kenneth, on the other hand, is floating in darkness and mingling with both the ship's mind and memories and Wintro's. And during this time, Vivesha points out that Kenneth and Wintro are a lot alike, and there's a whole montage of Wintro and Kenneth's submissions for entry to the Sad Sacks Anonymous Club, <laughs> including more references <laughs> to uh, the abuse that Kenneth suffered as a boy. Kenneth's membership is revoked, though, because he rejects that part of himself, even though Wintro is like, hey, that's a part of you, don't throw it away. Um, but anyway, Wintro learns the power of a name and somehow puts Kenneth back together again inside his body, which feels very much like Verity putting Fitz back together in the Skill River. Um, so Kenneth is alive again. And Edda is thrilled, and Wintro just, like, collapses in a heap on the deck. But now Kenneth has some gratitude for Wintro, and so he tells Edda to look after her, after him. And Edda's like, fine, I guess. Um, so Wintro wakes up with a cushion under his head, because that was, that was a nice thing to do. And Edda is watching him <laughs> while she makes him some pants. And thank God, because if I had to read any more about his dirty, bloody priest robes, I was going to not be very happy. Um... So Edda tells him to go back to sleep and rest, but he can't, so instead he tries to have a chat with her, but he kind of fails at tact when he finds out she was a whore before she became a pirate, and so she kind of stops the conversation. But he wants to try again because he realizes all of his friends are dead and he could really use a new one. So he starts telling her his life story and starts wallowing in self-pity until Edda cuts him off and is like, 
You can't go back. That part of your life is over. Set it aside as something you have finished. Completed or no, it is done with you. No being gets to decide what his life is supposed to be. And Winter takes this very basic common sense as a major revelation, and suddenly his entire worldview seems to shift. And he's like, where did you learn such knowledge? And Edda's like, in a brothel. Um, and so he needs to know more because he's like oh saws and brothels it's it's true and she's she of course is like well yes men call out her name often enough i guess it must be true so (laughs) i like that little detail that she called her as well some Um, more humor (laughs) so he promised her to tell him his her whole life story about being a whore and Kenneth claiming her. And somehow this all makes Wintrow believe that Kenneth is a deeper man than he's supposed to be, which of course it did. Uh, so Wintrow then takes his leave to send, uh, saying to send for him if Kenneth wakes up and needs him. And he also gets one of Kenneth's old shirts for to wear, to wear. So that's pretty cool. Uh, he goes to have a chat with Vivacia and he happens to touch Kenneth's bloodstain on the deck as you do. And suddenly he feels connected to Kenneth, and Vivacia explains that this is what she feels always now and why the night of the slave revolt was so bad, and he doesn't really know what to say to that. Later, the Marietta sh- finally shows up, and Kenneth, continuing to be the worst patient ever, really wants to receive Sorkor sitting up, and Winter is like, well, if you want to die. And so Edda comes up with a plan that they'll just tell Sorkor to lead them back to Dibby Town, and that he'll meet with him when meet with him then, and so that'll be when he's stronger. So Kenneth agrees and wants to send Windra to relay the what, the message and give him a chance to prove himself so that maybe he'll trust him to give him more pain meds and not think he's trying to poison him. <laughs> he wants to receive Sorkor sitting up, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I love that the excuse was that he's like, he's with Etta, so, you know, you yeah, just right. steer the ship to Divi Town because I got to boat my lady for however many days it fucking takes them to get to Divi Town. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, that's when that toxic masculinity works works in your favor for... <laughs> Kenneth was totally different there for a little bit with his uh, kid self or whatever he's denying. Yeah. He was, a, he was a totally different person. Yeah, it reminds me of in the last trilogy when Fitz puts some of his memories into the dragon and he is warned that doing so lessens himself. And I, I'm not 100% sure I'm on board with that idea because I feel like if it's a bad memory and it hurts you, why do you need it? Because maybe it'll make you less of a shitty person to other people. Or yeah, it I, makes I you know. stronger guess... or smarter for it too, though. Like, I guess so. I just feel like there are some... some. I don't think pain automatically equals strength or no i don't think it automatically does but i think that there's i can think of a plenty of shitty horrible experiences from my youth and the way that i grew up and i feel like i'm almost well yeah and i think that's like i mean everybody can relate to that right there's always like you always hear statements like oh i wouldn't trade what i've gone through it's made me who i am and like that kind of stuff but it's like yeah but i could also have just been like rich and happy forever and nothing (laughs) bad could have happened to me Exactly. And that would be nice too. You wanted to be Malta, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? She's poor now, so no. 
<laughs> what a <laughs> paragon. I'd love to be like that. <laughs> you want your ship logs to be missing? Well, I don't know. I'm glad that we didn't have to talk to Vivacia for that long, though. She's starting to... <laughs> God, I felt really for badly now. for her, though, when she's like, this is what I feel all the time for all of those people who are slain on my decks. And I'm like, oh, God. I wasn't really a fan of the the phrase, though, where she's like, men kept entering me like one this is creepy. Why, Robin Hop? Why? No, I think that that was very deliberate wording. I'm sure it so, was. Well, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. agony to read. And that's the point. Super, super deliberate. Yeah. Especially after we just had the, the whore talk. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So do we think Wintro Skill hugged him? Back to himself? <laughs> I mean, it did feel like that. A little or, bit. Or like... It feels like whatever he does is connected to the Vivacia, though. Like, I don't think it comes from him the way that it would, that it comes from Fitz. No, I mean, I think it's more, I mean, Vivacia sort of gathered. Well, because he was lost in her. So he, like, like, like she was the the skill river. Yeah. Except that she was, like, a skill river with consciousness that was able to help Wintro gather him up and put him back together. Yeah, like a skill reservoir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Which yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Mm, are we are we good with Etta possibly being in a rivalry with Wintro? I'm glad she made him new clothes. Yeah. I love how robotic she is about where Kenneth's like, be nice to him. And she's like, okay, fine. Here's a pillow. Here's some pants. Have a shirt. <laughs> I'm impressed with how fast she sewed those pants. Yeah, yeah. by hand. By hand. I have questions. And they didn't immediately <laughs> fall apart. She did not finish those <laughs> those uh, seam allowances. No way. Well, I was just thinking, like, I, I probably spent far too much of my brain trying to figure out, like, what like what was the stitch she was using and, like, how, how together with are stitch those man, pants? She was just plowing through. <laughs> Well, I yeah, mean, okay. she, okay. she's been making her own clothes that are apparently, like, super awesome and fashionable, so apparently she's yeah. really good. And I'm, I'm going to say this as, as like, somebody who had, like, I have professionally worked at, at sewing things, and this now includes, like, having to do it by hand. Um, so I can get um, a pair of pants blind he- blind hemmed, which I have to do by hand, um, in about an hour and 15 so that's like, say, 45 minutes for about 20 inches of fabric. So depending on how long Wintro was passed out, that's not actually unrealistic. She said it was um, a while. I love that we are Yeah, because like pants are basically like... <laughs> <laughs> Elena, like are you the basting queen? <laughs> Young and sweet. Um, <laughs> uh, only 17. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, like, so my, one of my favorite things Rachel's ever said to me is... You have five days and you're fucking lining stone cold. <laughs> um, I mean, I but, don't uh, shit, so. <laughs> but yeah, so like, you know, pants are basically straight, straight seam, like a straight seam. 
and a couple hems and then like a waistband and Wintrow's like it's been made obvious note that he's fucking short and runty so <laughs> right. you know yeah. like maybe it, in in like one night if she had nothing better to do and couldn't sleep because her fucking love Kenneth might die like eight hours to hand stitch some pants yeah i could actually buy it and maybe right. she was really just stitching together two of Kenneth's unused legs you <laughs> 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 didn't need them possibly yeah. Well, when they said she was working on the pants, I'm like, oh, that's sweet. She's chopping off the legs of all of his pants and making them so they're like little stub pants. That turned out oh. to be for her winter. <laughs> that's her next project. Yeah. He's got like one, one full length leg and then one, you know, like 80s gym short length. <laughs> it's what they're going to be doing. It's what she's going to be doing while he's supposed to be like, you know, having sex with her all the way to Dewey. Yeah. She's just making a whole bunch she's of She's got time. She's making him new clothes. The least sexy room that ever was. <laughs> oh, well, I, you know, I don't really know what Kenneth's like. I don't know. I it's it's just funny to me that he is convinced that unless he shows this specific type of strength all the time, he's going to lose the loyalty of all the men around him, even though they like love him. Like he's For gone over the hump. Reason. Well, he doesn't understand what he's yeah. done to get their love. He doesn't understand it at all. Over the stump. Cuz sl- the saving the slaves doesn't mean anything to him. Right. And, like, he also doesn't understand that, like, surviving this, like, serpent bite is going to make him even more badass. That's what I don't get. Yeah. I'm like, how does he not think that he comes out of that looking like a fucking badass motherfucker? Like, your leg got chomped, then you got your fucking hacksaw situation when they (laughs) cut it off. I'm like, that's, like, the coolest battle wound there is. Yeah, like, he thinks that Edda was trying to feed him (laughs) to the serpent to, like, take over the ship because he's a nut job. The only feeling we've seen out of him so far is with Wintro. After he wakes up, he's like, oh, this boy, I must protect him. Yeah, I'm pretty true. sure that was half vivacia. <laughs> oh, like and a half drugs and half being connected with his 10-year-old self. Yeah. This boy is well, me, the like... only person I can relate to. That's sad. All right. Do you want to move on? Anybody else have anything to say? I'm good. Already, chapter nine, Bingtown. Have we already had a Bingtown? Hasn't there already been a chapter called Bingtown? Mm. No, that was Binge Town. Binge Town. Bangtown. It was Bangtown. Bangatown. Bleep Town. Bleep Town. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Town. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do our bleep, did we? We didn't do our bleep. She did in the intro. Yeah, I bleeped it. Yeah, she bleeped it. In the oh, intro, did you? In the I, I, even listen to I guess I didn't again. even listen to it. <laughs> I don't even listen Damn to the episodes. You. I just record them and then I move on. I don't know. I mean, you have to <laughs> basically listen to it when you edit, so you're good. Yeah, I know. No, it's fine. Uh, thank you for your services. 
So, chapter nine, Benga time. <laughs> <laughs> the chapter opens with Amber and Paragon. Amber has been residing in Paragon full time in an effort to protect him from being towed away by strangers. She's also been storing her wood and finishing oil in his belly. Like, that's not going to catch on fire like the other oil he wanted stored in his belly. So she's, like, kind of complying with his request to burn him down. Someone tries to steal him. Uh, during their time as social isolating roomies, Amber has been teaching Paragon some crafts, like wood carving, and fun games like how to cat swat at enemies without actually being able to see them. <laughs> Amber has been tossing and turning recently from bad dreams about serpents, dragons, a nine-fingered slave boy, and a yelling paragon. Do tell. How is she able to have these dreams? Paragon wakes Amber from one of her nightmares, and she says that she actually wishes to experience them so that she can grasp their meaning. And Paragon is all, dragons aren't real, and Amber's all, oh yeah, tell that to the people, the six duchies, because they saw them things. To which Paragon, <laughs> Paragon says he doesn't debate that there were indeed flying objects in the sky. He just says that they weren't <laughs> technically dragons, and that they shouldn't be called dragons, whether they look like them or not. And Was Amber the weather bugs him so much mm. if dragons aren't real that she calls these things dragons. And he's like, because if there were any such thing as dragons still, it would demean them to be grouped with such grotesques. I love wow. that. I love that. Um, oh. Then he des- denies having ever dreamed of dragons, even though he told Amber before that he totally has. And she's like, why are you so defensive, Paragon? What do you know? And uh, I agree with Amber. I really want to fucking know what he knows. So, because he knows something. Uh, Paragon also refers to serpents as sea serpents, which seems to, like, blow Amber's mind. Which, (laughs) I mean, like, they're in the ocean? I don't know. Um, But she seems pleased with that. So, then we hop on over to the Ophelia. Uh, Wait. Yes, Ophelia. I don't know why that stumbled me so badly. Back on the Ophelia... Althea can't sleep either, and she visits Lady O. Then a shirtless, tousle-haired Greg comes out on deck, and both the ladies are <laughs> all like, "Auga!" But they're real <laughs> casual about it. And Greg is looking for Althea because Captain Tanira wants to have a little family powwow. He's worried about their arrival at Bingtown and whether their run-in with the Chalcedian galley will have caused them some grief when they're trying to get back home. Tanira asks that if shit goes down and he and Greg are held captive, that Althea speak on their behalf to the Traders Council. So as an extra measure of precaution, they make a plan for Althea to dress back up as a ship's boy so she can go out and about undetected in case they try to seize the captain and the mate. So the captain also asks Sassy Pants Ophelia to be chill if they seize the ship because he wants to make an example of all the bullshit that's going down in Bingtown and how the Traders can't get no respect. So, Greg and Althea are left alone-ish on the deck, and they strategize a little bit more about their very romantic yet pragmatic marriage, and what that could look like, <laughs> and she's just kind of like, dude, I'm, like, broke. Like, my family is broke, and my dowry is gonna suck, and you might should just go with somebody else, because you might get better. And she doesn't want to give up the Vavasha, which is what she's been working towards all this time. So she kind of turns the table and asks if Greg would ever abandon his family ship to sail with her. And he's like, taken aback. And it's like, well, there you go, zing. Like, why should she have to give it up? 
So despite all that, they touch hands. It gets romantica, romantical. Ophelia <laughs> screams at Greg to just kiss her already. And so he does. Jesus. She feels some hot tingles. And then he apologizes afterwards, Ugh. which is just like, ew. God, why do you apologize afterwards? It's so dumb. Um, they agree to think on their marriage a little bit. And then they're just going to like circle back up later. So this chapter is long and we're not done yet. So the next day, Althea <laughs> is magically a ship's boy and the crew does her a solid and they just go along with it. They dock at the tariff office where there's a Chelsea and galley and they go inside to pay their fees. And it turns out that the Satrap is really greedy these days and Tanira gets really fucking fired up. He's like boiling at the side of that fucking galley ship and he wants to talk to a manager because this little runt behind the desk is not good enough. And he bangs his fist on the counter. And this poor kid can't do math. And it's not helping anything. And <laughs> Tanira refuses to pay all of the stupid fees. So the ship gets trapped at the tariff dock. They're not being let go. And so Captain sends Althea off to her home to take word to her mother about all this bullshit garbage that's going down to see if she'll agree to standing up to the money grubbers. And that's where we're left. Uh-oh. I mean, Satrap Costco, he is behind the times. Like, shit is boiling up before he's even on his way. Yeah. <clears throat> Looks like Cirilla knows what she's talking about. I just really loved that the captain asked to speak to a manager. <laughs> like I'm in, I'm in charge and that's today, how we sir. know that they're no, white. I need your boss. Uh, I I wonder if Jeffrey apologized for the kiss because he felt compelled to by Ophelia. Like it wasn't his idea. Like Ophelia made him do it. Well, yeah, that's exact. I mean, that's why he did it, but still. So like, Ophelia kissed her. Right. Like, but also ooh. don't let a ship boss you around. You either want to kiss somebody or you don't. Like, fucking go but for it. But they can't. Like, we know from all the POVs of Wintro that, like, the ship can totally boss you around. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, you weeder. I, I, I mean, like I didn't take it that way at all. I, I took it. I took it more that, like, he wanted to, and the ship was, like, reading that he wanted to, yeah. and was, like, just fucking do it, because I know Althea, he and she definitely like it. wanted to do it. He just didn't have the guts to yeah. do it without being egged on by Ophelia. Yeah, but then, like, he also is, like, as, you know, we've discussed, very aware of social protocols, and this is, like, a woman of, like, a certain class, and you can't just necessarily take those liberties. So then he's like, oh, oh, uh, the... the I'm just, I'm so used to the shit bossing me around. Like, I've lost my head. There's just nothing sexier than somebody saying sorry after they kiss you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's sort of like a, I don't know. I guess you could take it as like a sorry or you could take it as like a a wink and a like, well, in case you were offended by that, you know. No, I detect, I detect a Jeffrey apologist. I don't know. (laughs) I think that. You're just like oh, in Jeffrey him. apologies. <laughs> 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 yeah, like if 
I mean, as as we've discussed before, I think I think consent is sexy, and I think I think a, I think a nice warning is sexy because you know what? My personal experience is every time somebody's come at me without a warning, I freeze up like, "What the fuck are you yeah. doing, asshole?" Hell yeah! And like, but oh, there's I guess also frigid, a away. sexy way to like, deliver not cool. a warning. <laughs> like, there's a there's a like a hot way of getting consent. Like, he doesn't <laughs> doesn't have to be <laughs> all or nothing. <laughs> May I put my lips upon your lips, or just like yeah, it's the lean in and like wait for that. Like it's like oh, I'll lean in six inches, you lean in two inches, like that kind of consent. Like (laughs) yeah, but also it's super sexy to make out in front of a shrieking woman. Love it, nine feet tall. Yeah, Yeah. she's just a fangirl writing fanfic, and she's like, she also called him a booby. (laughs) (laughs) That was my favorite part. Full section. Her calling him a booby. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, cause well, I'm was, 12. Was anybody besides... <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of being 12, was anybody besides me getting flashbacks to, like, the Little Mermaid and, like, you know, that yes. whole scene? <laughs> Come on, then. Go kiss on and girl. Kiss the girl. <laughs> Imagine yeah, Ophelia it. with a Jamaican accent. <laughs> so I've looked, I've looked up the etymology of booby. <laughs> It, oh, it, thank it, goodness it details, for you. It details from the 16th century from the Spanish bobo, meaning stupid person. Oh my god, so I use the it, term bobo all the time. A worker of mine uses it too. Uh, so yes, it, it means uh, stammering, stupid, hesitant. Yeah. So right on So point. ladies, when you tuck your boobies in tonight, you say goodnight, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Often re- used to refer to ungainly seabirds. <laughs> Are, wait, it, did, did the nickname did the nickname for lady parts arise because like they tend to evoke that reaction, like they turn you into a booby? Uh, let's see, stupid, childish person, large tropical seabird. Uh, doesn't say anything about boobs. What? Oh, what? here we go. <laughs> Down here, informal, a woman's breast. Mm-hmm. Informal. <laughs> well, they didn't. Tra- they didn't trace the etymology of how that became an informal slang. Well, let me load up Merriam-Webster. <laughs> we gotta dig deep here. God bless the Merriam-Webster. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, if you're gonna come for the big titted ship, you're gonna stay for the big titted ship. You're welcome, fans. <laughs> I mean, I'm scrolling, and there's still no, there's still no mention of breast. <laughs> All right, dear Google, when did booby become synonymous <laughs> with breast? Well, look here's it here's the deal. If moment. we can't if we can't figure this out in a reasonable amount of time live, then I'm, it can be I'm, in corrections and omissions it. next time. I'm loading it right now. I found something. I have a friend with access to OED. Just saying. Or people can so, use their okay. quarantine time to look it up for us and tell us in an email. Yeah, um, we'll give I think it's... one non-existent prize to the listener <laughs> who can tell us. <laughs> to the listener who can validate Elena's theory, the boobies became a slang term for breasts because they turn the men looking at them into the dim-witted, like, you know, incapable of speech uh, booby. <laughs> Do you want to know why? Or do you want to leave it to the listeners? Oh, we have an expert on boobies here. Should be in the spoiler section. You just have a librarian. <laughs> That's all you have. 
Go for it. Tell me. I want to know. I particularly want to know. According to... Oh, go ahead. According to Time Magazine... (laughs) (laughs) Bubby... (laughs) (laughs) They come from the Latin word, bibere, meaning to drink... It may be onomatopoeic, echoing the sound of an infant breastfeeding. By the 1800s, that word morphed into booby, which became boob. That's way really <laughs> less exciting. Oh, yeah, that's not what I wanted it to be. Okay, I that's changed okay, my we answer. We didn't have prizes to give away anyway. It's fine. So, you guys, <laughs> jumping back towards the beginning of this chapter with Amber and Paragon and Amber's dreams. Thoughts? Yes. Question mark? How is she having I mean, dreams about the nine-fingered slave boy? How? She asked about the nine-fingered slave boy, like, one of our one of her first scenes. Mm-hmm. Yes, she did. I don't remember that. You guys, I need to start paying way when more she, attention. When she was on the dock. <laughs> escaped me, too. When she was on the dock and she had one of her stare-offs with Althea, and Althea's like, what the fuck are you looking at? And she's like, well, I'm trying to find the nine-fingered slave boy. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. I'm such a waste. (laughs) Why am I on this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) It's lit by me too, Ashen. That stuff doesn't actually elude me often. I'm so, so. like, plot-driven and don't pay attention to details a lot. And just, (laughs) it's important. It's your first time through. Actually, you're doing far better than I was. You've Me already, too. You've already like Eli thought there was an egg. Okay. <laughs> um. So yes, why does Amber appear to be having prophetic dreams? Yeah, and is it because she wears gloves? <laughs> <laughs> What's she hiding? So it sounds. It sounds like Amber is some sort of, like, shaman or seer connected to, like, maybe the collective unconscious or subconscious or, like, the beyond. And she's getting some visions. She's, like, tapping into shit that she's not physically connected with but metaphysically connected with. That's my theory. And, like, let's go over the things that she has seen. Serpents. The Dragons. Dragons, but let's tread lightly with the term dragons. dragons. For, so, 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 and we know she's not from Bingtown. Right. Yep. She was recently um, up in the six duchies. I was going to say, she, she knows the, about uh, the six duchies the and the dragons up there. So there's that. She knows about the sea worms. I'm so glad I'm not on camera right now. <laughs> Same. I'm biting I'm my thumb. Fully losing <laughs> It's fine. It is fine. Um, is somebody about to ride one of the fucking serpents? Are we going to have some like... <laughs> yeah. You know, put a little saddle on it. Some, Let's go. Yep. A little sea Gotta saddle. like catch it right behind the gills and that's how you control it. I thought it was, I thought it was really cute. That, I mean, she obviously was thinking serpents like a regular snake. And then and then Paragon was like, sea serpents. And yes. Like, oh, thank you. Thank you for clearing that up. Oh, and see, I never would have thought, like, serpent synonymous with snake, even though I know that it definitely yeah. is. Because we've been reading about sea serpents yeah. the whole time. And we're like, like why is sea so, like, newsworthy to her? Oh, a sea serpent. <laughs> sea serpent. Uh, yeah. We're not used to having to, like, understand that, like, people speak different languages in different places. And, like, maybe Amber's not. Like, she's fluent, but not. 
not like a hundred percent fluid. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. Where's this little bitch from? I don't know. <laughs> Beyond the veil, obviously. <laughs> this is entertaining. I love Paragon. <laughs> Paragon we getting like serve. so defensive about the dragons, like so he's not playing it yes. cool at all. And then when he tries to backpedal on it, it's like okay, sure. So it's like a little, he- like a little bit of his like toddler esque stuff, but like mixed with his. His like knowledgeable like adult self. Dragon. The, the cutest agree. part was how like his yes. voice cracked and he's like thinking to himself, "It always does it at the worst moment." <laughs> <laughs> um. Should we move on to chapter ten? Sure, sure. sure. All right, Eli. As long as you're recording, take us away. Yeah, I'm recording now. Which, okay, chapter ten. Okay. Spider-Man: Homecoming. So, <laughs> Althea. Decked out in her grubby boy cosplay, winds her way past the manners of Bingtown's old blood elite on her way home, and she worries that she won't be taken seriously in her costume. This is just like Christmas for me. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) On the way home, she wonders why the one percent are no longer taking care of their lawns. However, upon leaving her home, Althea finds that there is some kind of fancy bash going on, so maybe all is not lost. Before she can investigate, she is waylaid by servants who do not recognize her at all, and she's enjoying her A-plus costume. So she keeps up the charade a little bit and hangs out in the kitchen, gets some nice dinner. She gets some gossip about Rain's courting in Malta, although she doesn't know who the hell they're talking about. Um, And after washing her hands outside, Althea watches the Rain Wild traders leave from a bush. Um, she's been startled by a servant and led to her mom. Of course, Ronica loves Althea's cosplay and she sweeps her into a hug and she's like, such craftsmanship. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just lying. I'm just, that's, that's a lie. Uh, she yells at her daughter, uh, for making her worried, but then she hugs and they cry. It's sort of touching. Um, Althea learns all about how Buckwild it's been at home. Kyle is dealing with uh, slaves now, and uh, Kefri is in charge of everything, but not doing anything. And the harvest was garbage, but don't worry, everything's okay. Malta's being courted by a billionaire. And so <laughs> now it seems like they're in dire straits, and Ronica is okay with owning slaves now, which is uh, something that Althea is like really confused about. You've never been into slaves before. So it must be pretty bad to make some supposedly moral people okay with slavery. Um, Next, Althea brings up the matter of the Ophelia being seized. And Ronica is like, "Uh, we've got our own problems. I don't have time for this. Um, But she eventually convinces Ronica to say that she will talk to Kefria and get Kefria, or at least ask her to support Tanira, but we also learned that Kefria isn't even going to vote. So, sad face. Mm-hmm. Um, Ugh. Ugh. Fucking vote, Kefria. She's what not even using her doing? vote in the Traders Council. Um, she's too busy. Anyway. Always vote, everybody. Always use your vote. Always vote. On the way back to the Ophelia, um, Althea notices many loud foreigners with swords, 
and also a lot of slaves, but she doesn't like, she doesn't notice very many uh, normal Bingtown people. They're all foreigners and slaves. Um, and then she runs into Malta and Malta like, or not Malta, Amber, sorry. Amber. She runs into Amber and Amber takes her back to her shop. And what good luck because she was hoping to run into Amber anyway. In Amber's shop, Althea is hit on by Amber's guard, which is like literally the 10th time that Althea has been hit on by a lady while in grubby boy cosplay. <laughs> so I can't, I can't, her name? I can't stress her name. how good her cosplay is. Uh, it's <laughs> she is the best. She gets invited to all the cons. Amber's guard is Amber's guard is named Jack. <laughs> Thank you, because Jack's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I guess I guess Jack is important. Just my favorite. I didn't realize really that in the chapter, favorite. but I remember the name. Uh, once in Amber's shop, Althea accounts how Ophelia was damaged in an attack by Chalcedians, and asks if Amber will help fix her hands. So Amber is, like, really super concerned about this and starts asking Althea about everything that's happened to her in the past year. And uh, while Althea is telling her, she gets into a slave disguise really fast. More and more yeah. good cosplay. <laughs> Nothing but good cosplay in this chapter. Um, Althea worries about how to introduce Amber to Tanira, but um, as soon as they get on board, everybody loves Amber. No problems. Uh, Amber gets to work inspecting Ophelia's hands and believes that she can be repaired in a few days. Ophelia loves this, and she suggests that, hey, why don't you give me a new hairstyle while you're at it? <laughs> the conversation turns to how the trend of slavery in town, and Amber suggests to Captain Tanira that maybe he should not be looking to people who are super rich to find allies in his fight. Hmm. Have I, did I say his last name wrong my whole chapter? No, I am not going Tanira to say Tanira. Too. I say Tanira. So we're we're just going to be. Well, on but he's on the audiobook, so he actually knows. You know what? The audiobook. There's no way to know. Me. There's no way to know. I'll text Robin <laughs> Hobb one sec. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't. Yeah, we don't know if the uh, if the audio um, artist actually took some liberties with her. Yeah. Look, this is what you we're going to do. We're going to engineer a question where the answer will be Greg Tanira or Tanira. And we will ask the question to Robin Hobb yeah. at the next available non-COVID-19. The question will be, how do you say Greg's last name? <laughs> oh, so audiobook-wise, something interesting happened on last week, and I forgot to mention it. Um, so previously, the audiobook voice, the, the voice actress, was using... Uh, Kenneth's voice for the little charm mm -hmm. and starting last week she started using Ophelia's voice in sort of a like a more like naughty sounding like like sly a but more that was sly when the book changed right like a like a more sly version of Ophelia's voice for the for Kenneth's little charm hmm. just thought it was interesting yeah mm -hmm. she stopped using Kenneth's voice for it but it it, it coincided with the charm being a little more aggressive towards Kenneth. Right. Hmm. And a new book. So maybe they forgot the voice they used. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's it also happens. possible. Roy DeTerese does it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys. Oh, I miss, I miss Brian. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <It's higher. laughs> 
Brian. The tyrant and Tyra would get along. You don't need Brian. You have Jack. You yeah. shut your mouth. <laughs> so when Althea and Ronica see each other, legit like cried. I really, I cried. really like. That's the first time in all these books. Like, I've gotten a little weepy in a couple of scenes from Farseer, but, like, this one I straight cried. Aww. Well, I think Ronica really was, like, repressing all the worry that she had for her daughter that was missing. Um, And I think that that uh, Althea, you know, she cried too, and it's like, I think she genuinely was like, fuck, like, how is this gonna go? Like, I don't know what I'm walking into. I do like that she spends the entire time being like, while she's eating dinner, being like, who could they possibly be talking about with, like, <laughs> you know, who's getting courted by the rain? Well, it's like, all right, Malta's oh, and, not 11. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that wonderful realization where she's like, oh, they've probably always talked about my family this way. Yeah. Like, giving people nicknames like the Empress and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's nice that in these quarantine times she went to wash her hands a second time. Mm-hmm. Good job, good job. <laughs> the things that we notice now. <laughs> and they gave her like the leftover garbage food and she was like, mmm, this is delicious. This is the best. Well, yeah, because she's been eating hard time. I know. And, like, it's so. Sweat. Yeah. Well, and you know, that spiral cut ham came from the Wayne Wilds, so it was like a really good one. Oh, yeah. It's magical. Yeah. <laughs> Magically delicious? Yeah. The ham that it came from probably had wings and, like, <laughs> glowed or something. Magically delicious <laughs> ham. <laughs> ham. They like the way I say ham. 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 Uh, I really enjoy uh, the Grubby Boy cosplay. That was a cool conceit. Thanks, Eli. You're welcome. <clears throat> yeah, that spoke the, to me the, in a sad way. The whole the whole time I was reading this, I was just thinking about how every time I try to do anime cosplay, I can't compete with all of the like twenty year old girls who actually look like the anime boys. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Because I can't, I can't like, like even Because pos- <laughs> anime boys look like girls. Yeah, exactly. It, and you and you can't you can't shave like deep enough and often enough to like. <laughs> no, it's yeah. it's not possible. Eli is represented here. He's currently strumming on the lute in the Vestrit's living room. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see what I, what I, what I was thinking of is uh, all the times like. The, the dressing up is like Lieutenant Riker. Like, maybe there's just something about that, like, ship's boy that has that, you know, I don't know, that vibe to it. And it's like, oh, he's a horny sailor. Like, he's <laughs> he's up for a good time. Yeah, I like when he was bringing her on the boat and every, they're like, ha, 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 laughing at him, like, taking his <laughs> lady up there. I'm like, get your mind out of the gutter. Good job, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I liked when he brought her along to the to the meeting with the tax collectors, and she was like, "Oh yeah, any ship's boy worth his salt is supposed to jump jump in yeah. on the fight with his captain." Yeah, it's like, it's like and she's know, like, it's "I'll like take the little one." Low position, really. <laughs> she's like, "I've never been in a fight before." Um, yeah, I hope your father taught you don't put your thumb under your no, fingers. No, like, keep, keep that it shit out outside. Of the fist, yeah. fist fight one hundred and one. <laughs> 
My dad did teach me that. <gasps> uh, who do you think a better you fighter hit with is? The, you hit with your first two knuckles because they're the biggest. Don't yeah. don't hit with the any. I don't have hit bad news four. for you, but all of my knuckles are exactly the same. I have the same ring size well, on every actually, finger. That's, that's probably the best. Then that's probably the best. I have a, if you can is it, it I have a nice meaty hand. <laughs> yeah, you can spread it out. My 88 nickname you, on my shirt is Dainty Nucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at mine. Mine are not fucking dainty. They are mine are all not like at all. Four different sizes, and they. I think they pack a good wallop. Who else I is can practicing the same on my thumb and my ring finger? You just don't. You just don't want to hit with your your smallest two first. That would be that would be the no, worst. You wanna... Do you think that Althea is the better fighter or Jeffrey? Althea. <laughs> Althea. Greg would just apologize. Yeah. He'd hit you and be like, "Sorry." <laughs> oh, did I get you? Oh, did I get you? Is did that... I hit you? <laughs> do you think that, or do you think I think that he doesn't know how to he doesn't know how to negotiate women? I think he wants oh. to be hit. Thank you, Eli. I'm 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 going to agree with Eli. I think Greg probably has been in a fight or two because yeah, I'm sure he has. He's a boy. Yeah, grew up on a boat. I'm sure. Well, he's respected on the ship, which means that like on you know some 12 month mission where they haven't seen you know a female for endless weeks, like fights happen, aggressions happen, and like, hey, pretty boy, you're just your daddy's son. I don't have to listen to you until you earn your salt. I mean, like, we've seen that kind of hazing happen on every single ship, so. I still think Althea could take him. Yeah. I think Althea would fight dirty. <laughs> I She'd totally do, like, a Mike Tyson bite, bite the ear off yeah. situation. <laughs> like, for sure. For, yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, Greg would, like, fight, like, fair. He's, like, a punching yeah, guy. No. He keeps it clean. She's like, scrappy as yeah. fuck. <laughs> she should yeah, I get think, what she can get. She's got the attitude. She's also just, like, everybody thinks she's a 14-year-old boy also. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. We totally got off topic there. Every... <laughs> I think that was extremely <laughs> on topic. So... <laughs> Look, what are we here for if it's not, like, judging the fighting (laughs) capabilities of the characters? Like, so, you know. Uh, Okay, do you guys want to talk about Amber or Jack or uh, who else is in this? Kefria or anything? Or should we move on? Well, you clearly want to talk about Jack, but... I love Jack. Jack is my favorite. But that'll come into... It'll... Just give it time. time. Clearly, we have more to see from Jack, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Rachel, we to see more uh, hitting on Althea and juggling truncheons. God, yes. I only know Spoiler, like Jack one is... thing about Jack, and I'm already amused. <laughs> um, every episode prompts this be my crew character introductions and exits. We have the introduction of uh, Cirilla, and I guess Jack, for... Jack, Jack, and also <laughs> like direct contact with Satrap Costco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The man baby extreme, the magnodon. <laughs> he's even he's even less impressive than Regal. That's saying something. Right? <laughs> what noise does a magnodon? Well, he make? spends Regal like the whole like, scene on his back. Yeah, he doesn't even stand up. He's just like laying in bed, being like, "Oh, Cirilla." I'm the megalodon. 
<laughs> Car. I have so many people who tell me what I want to hear that, like, I have three accounts contradicting yours that I slipped in my own vomit. Like, no, no. I, oh, I, I threw up after so I gross. fell on that horrible unpaved uh, or un, uneven paving paved stone. Yes. Gravity was turned off for a second. It wasn't me. Yeah. It was. Uh, <laughs> X marks the spot. Where the heck are we? Uh, we're all, I mean, more and more people heading to Bingtown. Seems like that's going to be the, the party city. Yeah. It's getting a little, mm-hmm. they're for... going through a growth spurt. Yep. Yep. Good. Cause I don't want to go back to Jamalia. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of depressing there uh what a tangle what are the serpents doing fuck if i know i mean free. they're just dare. showing up in amber's dreams that's it they must be brain yep. dead at this point because we, we're not getting any more point of views they're swimming they're reaching circle. through the void they're just eating it's fine they're just eating <laughs> eating and shedding they'll just feel better they are, and shed. are no tangle spray got rid of them i I mean i I, not that i don't think that them showing up in amber's dreams isn't extremely important but i i did try so anyway the ship's talk what did we learn about live ships in this section at Uh, least one of them knows some shit about dragons mm -hmm. i don't know if that's a universal live ship situation or if it's just paragon right and then, did they absorb someone that knows about dragons, or did they know about dragons? Yeah. Another live ship knows about dragons and is ignoring the dragons <laughs> in their their subconscious. Yeah. Uh, we we learned about with with her hands that um, she feels... Amber can probably rework wizard wood. Ah, this is an important detail, I think. Yeah, and that she feels pain or something that she can relate to pain and discomfort. It's like when people touch your feet during the pedicure. Oh, why would you <laughs> say something like that? <laughs> All right. Feet. Is this the patriarchy, misogyny, capitalism, slavery, and fashions from Jamalia? Well, I think that we have the biggest, scariest man baby there ever was versus the most entitled brat that ever was. Uh, so anchoring this section. Um, yeah, so I think I, I would think... like to see Malta versus Costco. <laughs> I hope that happens. I think, I think she that would Malta over... make him cry in under three minutes. Yeah, she would overmatch him immediately. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think patriarchy is doing either of them any good. No. No. Definitely not. There wasn't, there was a lot of, like, shadow of patriarchy in the, the Malta chapters. Mm-hmm. Sad. Well, yeah, because it was, like, influencing how, like, the women were, you know, like, relating to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, this is what you have to do to avoid the patriarchy. Yeah. A reminder for next reading section, we're going to do chapters 11 through 15. And I do have a content warning on chapter 14 for mention of rape. And fair warning, it's only going to get worse from here, guys. Oh. Um, If, yeah. So if rape is a, uh, another sexual uh, assault is a a big no-no for you, I'm going to be really upfront about that. It's coming. Yeah, because it's a big uh, no-no for me, so... Yeah, so listen for those content warnings. Yes. 
Okay. Uh, I'm Rachel. You can find me at Darth Rachel on Twitter, Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram, and you can email us at buckkeepradio at gmail.com. And again, you can find our little website at buckkeepradio.podbean.com. I'm Alyssa, and you can find me at alyssamaynard.com. Uh, I'm Jenny, and you can find me at Spray on Instagram. I'm Eli, and you can find me at Chewy Bread Cosplay on Instagram. I'm Elena. You can find me at Moth Elena. And I'm Ashley, and I'm on the things at Ladybird Parker. All right. Next up is spoiler section, and anyone can stay that wants to. I guess it'll just be a free for all. Yeah. I mean, anybody like, can stay who wants to. Not you. You can't be exactly. yourself if you're a new reader. I have like no nothing to add. I have zero to add. Okay. Well, then get out. I just okay. thought I'm accusing myself from staying. <laughs> Adios. Yes, you're not allowed. No. When I said anyone, I didn't mean anyone. I had one. <laughs> <laughs>
Because I know when when you get to them in the last trilogy, they're like, oh, is this the one? Oh, look. Is this the guy? (laughs) This is the guy. (laughs) Congratulations, Amber. (laughs) Stupid fit. I love it. That whole whole section is just so ridiculous. That whole section was like all I wanted out of that whole trilogy. That's like (laughs) the only thing I cared about. It's like, I want to see Fitz meet Paragon, and I want it to be embarrassing for everyone involved. <laughs> and it lived up to that. It was oh, so, it was good. so good. <laughs> Alright, well, that's all I wanted to laugh about. Okay, bye. 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 Uh, do you have anything that you want to talk about specifically? No, Amber was really it. Um, Do you? I just, this whole thing with Cirilla. Yeah. So, Cirilla is introduced immediately. It's like, I'm going to bang you. I'm going to figure out how to bang you. And then when he ultimately is rebuffed for the last time, his vengeance against her is to hand her off to Chelsea Dean so that she can be endlessly raped. And I... I wonder, like, what, like, I know that she's naive, but it's, like, how naive could she possibly be if she's lived through three satraps, or two two satraps, and she's been on, she's going on this mission, and she knows what kind of person Costco is, but I just, I don't understand, I mean, I don't know, I, I, I'm not here to, like, say that it was necessary to have her raped or not, but I, it felt a little unnecessary. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, but what did did you have a question or were you just speculating i'm just speculating yeah. about like why why because she's introduced halfway through like you know like halfway through this trilogy essentially and like her first her first main action her first adventure her first uh defining characteristic is like defiance of like sexual defiance and then rape and like, I know she, like, becomes something else later, but, like, is it necessary for her to go through that first? I don't know. And that is something that I also think about Althea. So, yeah. Um, it's something I resent it, often in stories when it's, like, the only way a woman can have retribution or transformation is through this. And it's not yes. necessary. I don't think it was necessary for Starling, and I don't think it's necessary for Cirilla. No. And I, even, like, when Starling, like, at first for Starling, it was like a thing that she sort of mentioned that had happened to her. And then like it had to happen to her in real time, which was a little annoying. And I, and I, and I know we've talked about this before about how like this was kind of a major trope, especially in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, this is how books are like, but, but then in the last trilogy, there's also like a lot of rape. So I just, I don't know. This is the part of Robin Hobb's writing that it's very odd to me because, like, so much of it speaks to me on a visceral, like, almost spiritual level, and I really, like, engage with it, and I care about it so much. And then, like, this stuff, it's, like, repellent. Right. No, I mean, it's not to deny that, like, so many women go through this, and it just makes it harder to read so it's like, yeah, that the two sides of it, like, I don't want to read about this, but like, yeah, I identify with this. Yeah. 
And Elena and I have talked about this on our other our other podcast, Read This Fucking Book. Um, we've encountered several books uh, where not it's not only rape that we've encountered, but also um, like pedophilia. And we've talked a lot about like why we think that authors use the trope and what the trope what what they intend the trope to mean. Um, like obviously standards change and hopefully standards change for the better and i think readers are a lot more intolerant of the trope uh especially if it doesn't seem to have it's it's for me if it's going to happen because i'm not i'm not the kind of reader who's like i will not read this Mm -hmm. i will read it but for me it has to it has to i don't want to say be worth it but it has to critique the trope itself yes like, if you're going to use rape, then it should be a critique of rape and not just a way for a woman to go through a crucible. I completely agree with you. And I don't, and I, especially for Cirilla, I'm not sure if that's necessary at all. But I think, arguably, for, for both these characters, these point of view characters, like, why is this happening? So, like, that, not looking forward to that. No. Really not. Really, no. <laughs> but, I mean, there's other stuff that'll, yeah, and there's other stuff that'll be exciting, and hopefully we will focus more on that and less on the stuff that we don't like. Um, I'm gonna talk to Ashley, because Ashley told me straight up when we started this, uh, this podcast, she's like, okay, well, I don't, well, I'm not reading about rape. And I said, that is totally fair. What if we, you know, we'll do these content warnings um, and I think she may, in fact, just drop out for either, either those chapters or maybe even the episodes I'm going to let her choose. So okay. I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm not going to make anyone read something they don't want to read. No, 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 no. I'm willing to read it and talk about it because I think it's important. But it's yeah. like I'm not – of course, I'm never going to fault someone for not wanting to do that. Yeah, and, and like you know, sometimes you just you've read it so much, you're just like you're over it, you're done with it, you're not talking about it. Like it's exhausting. Yeah, fair. Yeah, f- super fair. Uh, so, and I said, okay, well, you know, the big I told her like up front, like the big part that this is going to come into play is going to be in the second trilogy that we do, and then a little bit in the in the last trilogy that we do. And she said, okay, just do the content warnings, and then, um, but that's also like you know. Ashley is Ashley is representative of our listener who also feels the same way. Right. So I'm wondering like how we should I guess what I'm going to do is I might do timestamps. I'm not sure. I think that's what I'll do. I'll probably put timestamps for the chapters with those with the explicit warnings. Mm-hmm. Um so that it won't be I think chapter 23 is going to be the rape scene. So I'll be putting uh, content warnings on the notes for that episode. So if you, and I'll put the timestamp. So if you want to fast forward, you know, you get to that timestamp and you just fast forward to the next timestamp. That way you skip that whole discussion. That's perfect. Cool. Um, anything else? Um... Malta would beat the satrap in a fight, yes. Um, (laughs) For sure, for sure. I think so. I think she'd kick his puny little ass. Yeah, they both Uh, have the tiny Yeah, this is like a setup area. Yeah. (laughs) I think um, as we hit like the central part, this, it's weird. The second book in this trilogy is endless. 
<laughs> I feel like I've been reading it for like two weeks and I'm still not done. So many people love Madship. Well, actually, so if you go to the Reddit, mm. um, they're doing a poll right now. Like, what's your favorite trilogy? Oh. And I was very surprised. Actually, I should check it now because I checked it a lot earlier Is... today. But when I was looking at it at first, Madship was, like, not even – it was in, like, third or fourth place. Oh. I figured the Tawny Man trilogy would win as a trilogy. but So that's that's what I voted for, but it was only, like – it was, I think it was a strong second. Huh. Oh, yes. Okay. So currently the Farseer trilogy is leading. Really? Yes. Second place is Tawny Man. I don't mean to sound Third. so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Third place is Live Ship. Fourth place is Fitz and the Fool. And uh, fifth place is Rain Wild. What's your order of faves? I think Tawny Man and then Farseer and then probably Live Ship over Fits and the Fool, but only because Fits and the Fool made me so fucking sad. It just made me so sad. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't read Run Wild yet, so maybe that will change. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I say Tawny Man, Rain Wilds, Live Ship, the new Fits and the Fool, and Farseer last. Really? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like, like it. It provides a valuable foundation. <laughs> Who's Night Eyes? I've never even heard of him. Cube. Uh, I hate to admit it. I like boats. No, no, it's fine. I mean, I I don't know. I really, really, really enjoy Night Eyes. Yes. But... Oh, no. Oh, I cried so hard. With Night Eyes, oh, and he yeah. runs off. And... Well, I think that's, like, one of... I think there's two reasons people don't like the Tawny Man. One is because they kill off... You know, she kills off Night Eyes. And I think the second one is, like, if they're not... If they don't... If they don't ship Fitz and the Fool, there's not a lot there for them. Right. It's, it's... <laughs> what are you doing, then? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they're so thirsty, and they have nothing to drink. <laughs> Except at the very, very end when he's, like, coming through the field down into Molly's house after Burridge is dead. And he's like, hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> What's up, lady with five kids? I'm your old boyfriend. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> you want to lay down in these in these weeds? <laughs> oh, sure. I'm bored. <laughs> oh Molly. Oh Molly. Uh, oh, Fits in the Fool is just like, I'm sorry, but like the fool's like a beggar and then he gets stabbed. Oh, it's just so sad. It is so sad. I haven't cried harder in a book than Assassin's Fate. Oh, I I knew it was gonna happen though. Like Yeah. I was prepared, but I still cried like a stupid child. But not in a way that, like, I, w- I didn't feel betrayed. No. Like, I wasn't, like, mad at Robin Hobb. No. I was just, like, I mean, like, like I felt like she delivered exactly what all of the foreshadowing said that she was going to give us. Yeah. It just hurt. Yeah. If it, like, if you feel so much with the book, then it gives it more points. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's something, there's a part of me that loves the old, like, the old style, like, epic star wars style like endings where it's like and then they ran off into the sunset and they continued to have more adventures you know like they live forever in my mind like 
I really like stories like that. I think they offer a kind of hope and a kind of comfort that we are lacking, especially in like the grim dark now where people often write stories that end like that definitively end. But I understand why she did it because it was the cycle of his life. Yeah. It's very Lord of the Rings. And they yeah. sailed into the West. Right. Yeah. But I think I think like the ambiguity the ambiguity of Lord of the Rings is different, right? Like well I guess maybe Fitz and the Fool is the same because they're still in the wolf. Like they're still together. Right. They're just in a different form. Mm. But, like, Lord of the Rings, like, when I was a kid and I read that the first time, I didn't really understand that that was, like, suicide. <laughs> oh, really? I I thought oh, the ending was really disappointing because I was like, did they die? Is getting on the ship the metaphor for death? And, like, my friends were like, no, no, there's another continent. But it's like, yeah, but it is, really. So No, it is. Yeah. It's totally the metaphor for death. Yeah. Like, they died. Like, Frodo committed suicide. Like, Frodo is the guy that came back from World War One. Yes. That, like never came back from World War One. The Shire <laughs> has been saved, but not for me. Yeah, but not. For, yeah, exactly. And I feel like that Fitz is the same a lot in a lot of ways as Frodo. Like, certainly more capable and like more badass than Frodo, maybe. But like the emotions <laughs> that he goes through, and like the stalwart companion that like loves him and like helps him through, and yeah, there's a lot about Fitz and Frodo that are alike. I've never thought about that before. I'm blowing my own mind. <laughs> Cause you know, you know, he's got, he's like the same class and like the same, I mean, I mean, an assassin is different than a spoiled rich kid who carries a ring, but right. They come from different backgrounds, but they have a lot of the same qualities. Like you said. Yeah. Like they're both really sensitive people that were asked to do things that were not suited to them. Yeah. And this fits the hero of the story. Is Frodo the yeah. hero of the story? Well, I'm a Sam Stan. Oh, Sam! Sam is the hero of the Lord of the Rings. But I mean, yeah. I think I think Frodo is a, is a hero, but Frodo lost the moment he said that he would. Right? Like, mm -hmm. Frodo isn't. Frodo was never coming back from that journey, and like that. That's like, you know, our, our doctors who go in right now to the hospital, you know, like they don't have enough masks, but they do it anyway. Like they know that they're helping people by sacrificing themselves. That's the kind of energy that they have. Uh, that's why we need these stories. Everything is so, <laughs> it's so much. Yeah. Well, it's a sad way to end, but I think also uh, reality. So I have nothing else to say. Are you yeah. good? Yep, I'm good. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Then I will talk to you next week. Can't wait. Bye. Bye. Okay, I'm hitting stop. Stop. <laughs>